morning. Good morning. My name's Ben Marshall. I'm one of the non vocational elders here at Mosaic, and it's a delight to hear, be, be here with you guys. Today we'll be wrapping up uh, our summer sermon series on the Lord's Prayer with particular focus on verse 13, which is lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Uh, before I get started, there's a story I've been itching to tell ever since it happened. So a month or two ago, um, Katie and I brought our youngest daughter, Sammy, who would have been about three months at the time, and we had her in a stroller, and at the end of the sermon, uh, Katie said, hey, let me take the baby while I go get the other girls out of kids. You hang on to the stroller. So she headed off to go get the kids, and I was headed out of the, uh, headed out of the auditorium, headed up this row, and I had the stroller with me, and I saw someone that I wanted to say hi to. So I pulled up real quickly and put the brake on the stroller and came, went to give her a hug, but I didn't apparently put the brake on good enough, and as soon as I gave her a hug, I turned around and heard screaming behind me, and I turned around to see the stroller is rolling down the aisle facing me, and like Brianna Gentry and about four or five other women lunging out of the pews to catch what they thought was my runaway baby coming down the aisle, and I, I have not seen that kind of panic or aware of any kind of panic like that among the people of God since the Israelites were trapped between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, okay? Like, it was mass chaos. So thank you, Brianna Gentry, wherever you are, for thank you for saving the life of my journal that was in, <laughs> in the stroller when it was coming down. But anyway, I just thought that was awesome. Uh, that story has absolutely nothing to do with the, the uh, sermon today. <laughs> it's just, I just thought it was awesome. So I was looking for a niche to tell it. Uh, I thought about stretching some analogy, but I better not. So, uh, before we settle in on verse 13, um, I'd love to read the entire Lord's Prayer again together. It would be great out loud, um, since we're coming into the home stretch. So, I'll begin if, you, if it's, up on the, yeah, it's up on the screen, so if you guys would join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, there's much to draw from this last petition for sure, but the, the thing I'd really like to focus on this morning that I think we're rec- meant to recognize when we pray this prayer is if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. It's the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. I want to credit uh, N.T. Wright for that language um, from his book on the Lord's Prayer. I tried desperately to reword that into something original, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. Just cite your sources. So the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. Um, I was excited to dig into this verse when I got assigned this section because, to be honest, I've never really been that comfortable with it. Um, there's a question we ask in our adult Bible studies. If you were going to explain a text to someone unfamiliar with the Bible, or perhaps a child, how would you paraphrase this? And, and honestly, I, I've always had a really hard time with doing that. Like, what is it we're actually asking? Um, so I was really excited to dig into this. Um, so I'm going to have a couple slides. If you want to write your verses down, the slide guys are going to keep up with me. There's a couple passages I want to talk about that I think will help us figure this out. So if you want to write these references down, unless you're really fast, you can keep up. But um, I think that might be good. So... An immediate observation from lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil is it sounds like the Lord can tempt us, uh, but many of you might immediately go, okay, well, I remember from James 1, 13 through 14, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, 
for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So emphatically we get the Lord himself is not tempting us, so there's kind of one frame. A second puzzle piece is the translation of the word temptation in our prayer. The Greek word can also be translated trial or temptation, either one are good. So maybe we're asking, God spare us from trials and suffering, maybe just generally. Um, but then again, we're called right back to James. You might remember, if you hit James 1.3, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So this feels kind of odd as well, I think, to me, because in one spot, uh, it seems like we're being asked to pray for something against something that elsewhere the Bible calls we should count it all joy when these come. So this feels a little bit funny. Um, And then we also remember at times God does test us. We think of Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. We think about God allowing Satan to bring immense suffering to Job. Um, And so what is it that we're asking? Is it just a general discomfort that we're trying to be delivered from? Is it uh, just keep us from the surrounding evils in our fallen world that we swim in? So there's two, two more places where this word temptation or trial pops up uh, in the book of Matthew that I think bring a lot of depth to what we're asking here. The first is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness in chapter 4. And then the second one is uh, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 26. That They bookend Jesus' earthly ministry in a very interesting way. So if we go to uh, chapter 4, we'll pull this up in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So this is at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Uh, And I find this just startling because the language there almost mirrors exactly what we're praying in Matthew 6 to be delivered from, right? Um, It's like, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But yet, like, just a page turned before, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's kind of odd. So it's like, we're praying, God, would you deliver us exactly from what you just did to Jesus, a page turn away. Um, Now, and if we move to the other end of Jesus' earthly ministry in Matthew 26, when he's in the garden... On the evening before Jesus is tortured and crucified, he's in the garden praying with his disciples. He asks for a few um, to stay awake with him and pray, and then he goes a little bit further to pray by himself to the Father. And he says in Matthew 26, 39 through 41, and going a little further, he, Jesus, fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Here's that temptation word again. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the great hour of darkness was coming for Jesus, and the disciples were equipped neither physically nor spiritually to resist that on our own. And so he insisted that they pray for help against the time that lay ahead. So if we return to our original question, when we ask the Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, what, what is it that we're asking for? Um, we know God doesn't tempt. We know that God does test us at times. We know we can rejoice in trials because he's at work in us to do something good and for our benefit. 
And we know that Jesus and his disciples experienced pointed times of testing and temptation and significant trials where the devil tempted them towards sin and away from the Father. So, and you also notice, uh, if you have your ESV translation, under evil, it'll give you a footnote that says it can also be translated evil one or evil, um, either, either or faithful. I actually think evil one might be more preferable, um, given the context of Jesus' temptation here in the book. Either way, uh, even if I'm wrong about that, the text seems to be referring to more specific spiritual evil than just the, the fallen nature of what we're all swimming in. Um, so with all this in mind, I think a paraphrase of our ask of lead us not into temptation would be something like, Father, spare me from difficult circumstances where I am weak to temptation and vulnerable to attack from Satan. So, Father, spare me from difficult circumstances where I'm weak to temptation and vulnerable to attack from Satan. Oddly enough, with the temptation of Jesus in mind right beforehand, it, it is rightly, I think, to ask, don't do that, you know? Like, don't do exactly what you just did to him. Um, you know, please don't test me like that. I, uh, I am weak and the darkness is too much on my own. Uh, perhaps a, a positive way to say this is, Give, give us a road ahead of smooth obedience and freedom from the active schemes of the devil. Might be another way to say it. Um, I had breakfast with a friend last week, and I was telling him I was kind of wrestling with exactly how to, how to paraphrase this. And I asked him, how have you, like, always understood this prayer to be? And he was like, ah, I've always just felt like it was uh, spare me from trial and attack. I was like, that's great, <laughs> that's perfect. Like, are you free for 25 minutes next Sunday? Because I think the people in Mosaic would really like to hear from you. <laughs> Um, so hopefully with a little bit better understanding, I don't know if any of you have been in the same boat with me or not, um, hopefully that's, that's a little helpful, but um, with a little bit better understanding of the ask, I want to talk about what happens to us as we pray this prayer. So I made the statement up front, when we ask the Father, lead us not into temptation, we're forced to recognize the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. In his book on the Lord's Prayer, um, Justo Gonzalez makes a great observation of the Lord's Prayer when he says, it is a prayer that reminds us of things about which we often forget to pray. Uh, I'm sure we all have different elements of the Lord's Prayer that we emphasize over another, but I would not be surprised if many of our prayers uh, are lacking elements related to spiritual attack on a regular basis. Um, regarding the reality of evil, when we ask, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we remind ourselves that there is a real and personal evil beyond what we can see. Um, the Bible is clear that we have a personal enemy in Satan and his demons. He is described in the Bible as a deceiver. He's described as a liar, as a murderer and an accuser. He is described as trying to outwit the children of God. He's described as opposing the sharing of the gospel. We see him in the book of Job, like I mentioned earlier, actively asking God for access to Job to bring him suffering. Um, praying this prayer makes us recognize that there is something else out there beyond us, that beyond what we can see that may be pushing against us. And praying this prayer also makes us recognize our vulnerability in it all. Um, just like we're unable to provide for our bodily needs and give us to stay our daily bread, we're also unable to spiritually protect ourselves in and of our own. Um, praying this prayer can also force us to be honest with where we're weak to temptation. Um, Father, I know that if these certain things happen, if this job shift, if this season of sickness continues, if this season of 
confusion and um, sorrow continues, if this loss happens, if this um, diagnosis comes in a certain way, I know that I will very easily spin out and could head into sin without much effort at all. Would you spare me from that? Um, And then praying this prayer also engages us in corporate spiritual warfare beyond just ourselves. It's very easy to miss the us in this throughout the whole prayer, particularly here of lead us not into temptation. But we pray together for the deliverance and the protection of one another. Um, We pray often for wisdom and healing and salvation for our family. I know I do. Um, in our, uh, and of our church body, but much less frequently for deliverance from spiritual attack. Um, and again, this prayer reminds us of the reality of evil. But far from being the last word, the last petition would have us know the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. Um, throughout, let's see, we remember that Jesus was obedient in the wilderness. Then we see all the way throughout the middle of his ministry, he casts out and has authority over innumerable evil spirits with people. And then at the end of his ministry, um, we see another pointed um, time of darkness and temptation in the garden where he's tempted to take an easy way out, and he doesn't. He is faithful to trust the Father's plan in it, um, even though he doesn't want it. And ultimately, Jesus was faithful to... Uh, all the way to the cross where he died a sacrificial death on our part so that he might um, rise again three days later, conquering death and Satan for us on our behalf. Uh, Colossians 2, if you guys have this up, describes Jesus' victory over evil in this way. He says, And you, speaking of us, were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, and by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. Then uh, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities, that's speaking of our um, spiritual enemies in darkness, the rulers and authorities. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so... When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we don't just recognize the fight that we're in. We recognize that in Christ we are united to him who has already won the battle. And the real poetic thing here is with the whole uh, Lord's Prayer, which is really wonderful, and our other pastors have pointed this out in each of their sections. The real poetic thing here is that when Jesus is instructing us to pray to the Father for all of these things, the Father has already eternally answered yes, and the eternal answer is Jesus himself. So what a, what a poetic moment that is, that Jesus is asking us to pray in this way. Um, and it's so he's praying to Jesus who has already conquered the evil, um, or we're, we're praying in Jesus who has already conquered the evil on our behalf. So I want to talk about this in practice now a little bit. Um, if our petition would have us know the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it, how then should we approach prayer regularly? Uh, and I think we should approach it with sobriety and with confidence. With sobriety and with confidence. Regarding the reality of evil that would bring us to sobriety, 1 Peter 5.8 says it best. He says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I want to quickly note that terror is not the appropriate response. There's a difference between sobriety and terror. Terror is not the right response, but sobriety is. Um, 
We're to have a sober eye as we consider the trials and temptations that we walk through, as we consider the trials and temptations that our church body and our family and our friends walk through. Um, it should bring, the sober perspective ought to bring some urgency, I think, to our prayers and some empathy as well to what other people might be going through that's beyond what our physical eye might be able to see. And this also might raise the question, how do I recognize when this stuff is going on? Um, in truth, it's not always clear. We really just don't always know. Uh, is this my own sin? Is this um, the sin of someone else? Is this the result of a broken and fallen world that we're walking into? Is this uh, an appointed time of testing that the Lord has for me? Is it spiritual attack? Is it a combination of a lot of these things, which it, I think very often is? Um, and the spectrum is very wide on what it might look like. Uh, it may be seasons of illness and prolonged doubt. It might be unshakable anxiety or relational conflict. It could be a clear step of obedience that the Father is calling us into that might be very easy to say no to. Um, it could be hurts done to us or more spiritually felt things, just a spiritual darkness of, of weight that we might feel, um, you know, disturbing thoughts or dreams that might come to you, um, sudden financial hardships. I mean, the spectrum is broad. Um, and then, uh, again, there's always, you know, the appointed time of testing. And we don't want to blame everything on spiritual activity. Um, we don't want to be overactive in that. But the spirit, Scripture is clear that sometimes it will be. Um, and I think the danger of not praying with a sober attitude is it makes us immature and it makes us vulnerable. Um, and we don't take advantage of the help that God offers to us through prayer. And lastly, the reality of Christ's victory over evil would have us pray with abundant confidence. Um, abundant confidence. To quote N.T. Wright again, he says, To pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is to breathe in the victory of Christ. Because our very request for deliverance is founded on the belief that Jesus is able, right? Um, and if we come to prayer with only sobriety, uh, our prayer will end up being lopsided and turn into fear or turn into terror. But we have to immediately remind ourselves of the fact that we are united to Jesus, whom all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to. And like John 4, 1 John 4, 4 tells us that we are united to him, where it says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we can pray knowing that the fight between Jesus and Satan is not a fair fight. And we are on the winning side. Um, and not only do we get to pray with confidence in the power and in the victory of Christ here, but we also get to pray in the sympathy of Jesus. Um, he knows what it's like to walk through these times of tempting and trial with us. Um, consider again his prayer in the garden. So Jesus knows exactly what's coming. His whole life has been headed toward this moment of uh, suffering and death. He knows that the path toward redeeming all things is through the cross, um, and yet, he still doesn't want it. He still asks for it to be taken away. Uh, I mean, you know what kind, of, you know what kind of response that is, in my opinion? It's a perfectly human response, right? Uh, Father, I know you love me, right? I know that you work all things for my good. I know that this trial is temporary. I know that I'm going to have more of you on the other side of this than what I have now. And if for up to me, I still don't want it. Right? Um, just awesome to me.
And what's amazing is Jesus gives us instruction to pray this kind of prayer. It would seem appropriate for Jesus to say, like, tough it out and trust in the plan. But he doesn't do that. Um, he, he sympathizes with it. And it's from, it's from this reality that we get the great proclamation in Hebrews. Again, if you guys want to pull that up from Hebrews 4, 4, 15, and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That's awesome. So together and regularly and for each other, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in it, we remind ourselves of the reality of evil and the reality of Christ's victory over it. And by reminding ourselves of this, we approach the Father in a posture of sobriety and abundant confidence in the victory and the compassion of Jesus. That's it. Uh, Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are so glad that we get to approach your throne um, in confidence as one who is sympathetic and as one who has passed through in a way that we cannot. And so would you deliver us? Would you give our church and would you give our families and would you give us individually smooth roads ahead? of easy and natural and joyful obedience? And would you deliver us from the active schemes of the devil, trusting, um, trusting in your plan, that even if you say no, you're still good, but would you deliver us? And we love you. And we ask all this in Christ's name.